Grace, mercy, and peace be yours from God our Father, through His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. You may be seated. The Word of God that calls for our attention this morning comes to us from the epistle reading from 1 Thessalonians 1, particularly verses 4 and 5, where Paul writes, For we know, brothers loved by God, that He has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. So far our text. It's a wonderful thing to be chosen. Think back to the playground games of baseball, kickball, and capture the flag. Sometimes the most exciting part of the game was choosing teams. Everyone vying to be the next person chosen. To not be the last one remaining. To have that feeling of belonging and joy because you were chosen. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy had that same joy for the Thessalonians because God had chosen them. Chosen them the same way He chose you. Through the gospel that comes in word, power, the Holy Spirit, and conviction. We remember from Luther's explanation of the third article, I believe that I cannot, by my own reason or strength, believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to Him. But the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with His gifts, sanctified and kept me in the true faith. This is the joy that Christians have about God choosing us to be His children, about belonging to God's family. This divine choice came through the gospel. The gospel first came in the word, spoken for centuries before finally being written down. God's promises for his people whom he had chosen. One of my favorite Old Testament passages comes from the book of Deuteronomy. The Lord has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession. Out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth, it was not because you were more in number than any other people, for you were the fewest of all peoples. God chose Israel when they were nothing, not even a gleam in Abram's eye. Abram and Sarai had no children and were well past the age of childbearing when God called them to leave Haran and said, I will make you a great nation. As God unfolded his promises, they were handed down from generation to generation. Parents telling their children the great and wonderful word of the gospel. And then Moses and the prophets and later the apostles were inspired to write all these things down for everyone to hear and believe. This word of the gospel finally reaches its fulfillment and purpose when it becomes incarnate in the person of Jesus of Nazareth. The wondrous, miracle-working rabbi who went through all of Galilee and Judea preaching the pure gospel once again. This Jesus, who in our gospel reading today was the target of the Pharisees' jealousy and malice. Then the Pharisees went and plotted how to entangle him in his words. And they sent their disciples to him, along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God truthfully. 
They admitted that they knew Jesus was preaching the truth. But it wasn't what they wanted to hear. They wanted to hear words that scratched their itching ears. That placated their overindulged sense of self-worth. That would prove once and for all that their teachers were better than him. But they were rebuked and marveled at his word. A word that doesn't entangle, but releases the trapped from their entanglement. And Paul rejoices that our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power. When we think of power, we think of authority, like that of a king. When I read the Old Testament reading, did an odd phrase jump out at you? It was right at the very beginning of the reading. Thus the Lord says to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have grasped. Cyrus, the Persian king, is God's anointed. The Greek word meaning, it's also translated Christ and Messiah. Yes. Isaiah is prophesying that a foreigner, a Gentile, will be anointed to save God's chosen people. God was going to use a foreigner to save his treasured possession. A foreigner God calls by name, even though Cyrus does not know him or believe in him. Like Cyrus, God has called you by name. He used his word of promise to give water, the power to wash away your sins. Again, we return to the catechism. How can water do such great things? Certainly not just water, but the word of God in and with the water does these things. Along with the faith which trusts this word of God in the water. For without God's word, the water is plain water and no baptism. But with the word of God, it is a baptism that is a life-giving water, rich in grace. The word of the gospel gives the water the power to become a baptism. The power to give you the forgiveness of sins, salvation, and everlasting life. But that power is not just words on a page or spoken aloud. The gospel's power comes through the word incarnate, his death and resurrection, the ultimate affliction that brought peace with God to you. This power gives you the ability like the Thessalonians, to imitate Christ and his apostles. This power resounds throughout the world that God has chosen you to be his son or daughter, that he has granted you to be an example not only to your friends and neighbors, but to that great and far-reaching scope of friends of friends, and even out to their friends, whether you know them or not. This is the great power of the gospel. Therefore, Paul can write to the Thessalonians, you know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy not only talked the talk, but they walked the walk. They were an example to the congregation, but they were also an example to the city of Thessalonica itself. They showed the love of Christ to Christian, Jew, and pagan alike. They imitated Christ in his ministry throughout Galilee and Judea. And they did it not for themselves, to make a name for themselves, to make them better. They did it, Paul says, for your sake, 
Paul established the congregation in Thessalonica on his second missionary journey. Thessalonica was just one stop along the path that God had laid out for him. He went all around the Roman Empire under God's supervision, like the Israelites wandering through the wilderness. Unlike his ancestors, though, Paul didn't complain about whether he stayed in one place a few weeks or a few years. I have learned, he would later write to the Philippians, in whatever situation I am, to be content. He knew one day he would leave Thessalonica. He wanted to make sure he had set a good example for them to follow so that they could continue the work that he had started. But all this is only done by the Holy Spirit. Only the Holy Spirit can bring you to faith in Jesus. Only the Holy Spirit can enlighten you with the gospel. Only the Holy Spirit can keep you in the one true faith and in its state of grace. You can't do this yourself. You must be kept kept and sheltered by the Lord. Our intro today reminded us, the Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Notice the difference in our readings about the hands between you and Cyrus. About you, God says, the Lord is your shade on your right hand. About Cyrus, he says, whose right hand I have grasped. He covers and protects you. He's dragging Cyrus along. Big difference in the way he uses them. You he protects as his beloved child. Cyrus, even though anointed by God, is merely a pawn of human history. The difference between you and Cyrus is the gift of the Holy Spirit. Cyrus could have come to saving faith through the word of the gospel. But God says, you do not know me at the time of his anointing. The Psalms call for all the earth to sing to the Lord. But it also calls on everyone, believer and unbeliever alike, to tremble before him. Unbelievers tremble in fear. Believers tremble before him in awesome wonder. Waiting for the day where they can finally see the things that have been promised in his word. That until that great and glorious day, we can only imagine what they might be like. But this is the full conviction of the gospel. The promises of God remind us that this choice of God choosing you will not be revoked by him. His choice of you as his child gives you the great confidence to live your life in his way. Yes, you can disown him as you do with every sin, but he will always welcome you back with open arms. No matter how often or how far away you wander, God will always accept you back when you return with repentance and contrition. That's the beauty, the comfort, and the strength of the gospel. That's why St. Paul and countless others throughout history have been willing to lay down their lives for the gospel. Fully convinced of God's gracious promises, fully convinced that God had chosen them. The gospel gives you the same courage and power to believe that God has chosen you to be his child, to live in his grace 
mercy, and peace. To praise and trust His holy name. To approach Him as we will in a few moments and address Him as our Father. To know for certain that you belong to Him as a beloved child. In my opinion, that's much better than being chosen for the playground kickball team. Being chosen for salvation and everlasting life. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord.